0: All right, guys. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Sky's the Limit call. My name is Stephen Nee. I'm your host today. Um, I'm actually very blessed to be able to interview one of my great friends. I- I've known Trey for like 14, 15 years, man. And to be able to see where we were, <laughs> you know, so long ago to where we are now. And it's, uh, it's fun. That's actually one of the things I'm going to talk to him about is uh, when it comes to recruiting, who you want to be successful with, right? Um, but Trey's built a massive agency uh, protecting a ton of families. I'm willing to bet that the coast-to-coast agency does more than the second place competitor of Family First Life. That's just my, knowing the numbers of what we do and and what the industry does, I'm willing to say the FFL coast-to-coast agency is bigger than almost everybody else in the industry. That's not FFL, right? So um, Trey obviously has done this for a while. And, And so one of the things that we see uh, in FFL, is most people are scared to recruit, not because they don't want to, not because they don't want to build a team, but because they don't know how. Right? Trey's amazing at it, and he's going to break it down so simple for us to understand. So, uh, Trey, are, are you there, buddy? Yes. Trey, thanks for hopping on, man. I know it's seven in the morning, but this is this is when we we get the the early birds to be able to hop on. But um sure. you know, kind of share a little bit of your story for those that haven't met you or know you. Um, If you can, you know, your background, how you found, you know, FFL and and how you built it so big. Okay.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, it's really interesting because we have known each other for a really long time. And it is cool to see uh, how far everybody's come with this. But, you know, my mindset has always been we we really haven't gotten started yet. And a lot of people say, you really don't think I really don't think that we're anywhere near where it's actually going to end up because the first thing I tell people is there's a, there's a company that everybody knows, like a household name. If you're in the insurance industry, you know, the name of the company, they're the buy term and invest the difference company. They have done for the last 21 years, a billion dollars worth of new premium every single year, new premium, not renewals, new premium. We know they've been, at least done it for 15 years or 12 years because that's how long they've been public and they have to published that. And you only run into them if you're running appointments, maybe three out of a hundred houses. <laughs> so, so if they can do that, we're only doing 600 million. Like there's so much room for growth here. And the thing I learned early on about FFL is the capacity. You know, once it, once it reaches a certain capacity, it's, it's always going to allow a certain amount of income to be made, even if things were to stop. And we aren't near the capacity yet, in my opinion. So, okay. so my background um, before Family First Life, I did a bunch of stuff. So, I I, I sold water softeners. I was in the Marine Corps. I worked at a gym. I um, I was a bookkeeper at a furniture store. Did you uh, were you really? I didn't know yeah, that. I didn't yeah. know that one. I uh, did a bunch of multi level marketing stuff. I I made a living at it, but none of my friends did. And when I got started uh well not none of my friends you guys did oh you guys did good but steven wasn't on (laughs) my team (laughs) Uh, comparatively speaking we were like the top one percent but that that just meant that you know we could search we could church we could search for gas money in like (laughs) jars not couch cushions (laughs) (laughs) that's all i have but uh but yeah so so I, i did a lot of a lot of different things and then my whole goal when I started with family first life was to not recruit anyone because I didn't have any friends left. And so I'd recruit all my friends to do a bunch of stuff. And I was like, this really sucks because nobody wants to invite me to nothing. Cause they think I'm going to start drawing circles on a whiteboard and trying to get them or try <laughs> to sell them some sort of product, you know, some sort of vitamin or weight loss solution or skincare or legal cream <laughs> or, or legal services yeah, or whatever. And so, um, And so, my whole goal when I started with this, I was just trying to sell some insurance. And I got really excited when I started because it was predictable. I was like, this, I'd have to talk to anybody I knew. I didn't have to like make a list of my friends and family and manufacture a need. I was just talking to people that wanted the insurance. And my clothes, when I was closing people, I was literally getting to the end and I go, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> and they'd be like, I want that one. Like, really? <laughs> yes. <Okay." laughs> and that was the ones I was getting. And I was like, this is, this is unbelievable. This is the best thing I've ever done. You know. Um, so what ended up happening was after doing that, that first quarter I did good, and then my mom had had cancer, and then, um, no, don't use that clothes, David. That, that's an example of what, I mean, I have to tell David, David close. but that's not the best way to go about it, but if you do enough activity, you can pick up sales just saying that, you know, you wouldn't want to buy it, would you, Bob? Yes, yeah, stupid, that's why you're here. I mean, that's, that's how it would go some of the time, and my goal in the beginning was just to make a living off those ones, <laughs> you know? I just did enough enough people they didn't want to go through it again so they give me a chance um but but that was the whole deal when I started I I was I was just focused on the on the lay downs. and then the second my first full year was 2015 and my mom had had cancer her cancer came back and she ended up passing away that year and so that year I didn't do a whole lot that year yeah you know, I was going to chemo treatments and and hanging out with my mom And uh, what endeared me to Family First Life was Andrew Taylor who recruited me in the business. He didn't treat me any differently. And that just went a long way because I hadn't had that experience before. That was, The biggest recruiting tip that I ever learned from Andrew, one of the biggest, I've learned a lot, but that was one of the biggest. The best thing he taught me was, uh, the best thing you can do for your team is to not need your team. He didn't need me. He wanted to work with me, but he didn't need to work with me. And it created a different dynamic. Like I was there because he wanted me to be. And so he basically gives me a job at his office. So I stopped, you know, being depressed at my house. And I don't even think he knew what he was gonna have me do. Uh, but he's like, what can you do And I'm like, well, I could recruit. <laughs> he's like, well, we'll start with that, okay? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think he just thought I was gonna call carriers and set appointments. But the recruiting thing turned out good. And then he took me to Waba Grill and fired me, and said, uh, <laughs> said "Hey, you, after you it was go going out. great. Yeah, <laughs> you got to go out and do this on your own." And I'm like, "Does this mean I'm fired?" It's like I wouldn't look at it that way. And I'm like, "Are you still buying lunch?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's-, that's the whole story. And then, and then I started building in 2017 around uh, July of that year. Okay. Stephen and, and Joe they started with me early on. That was just, it was just us three. None of us, we were all PTSD from doing multi-level marketing. We didn't want to recruit anybody either. (laughs) That's the truth. I I mean, back then,
0: fair statement, when we got started, Andrew was like, don't recruit anybody. No one. And I'm like, whoa, what? You know, compared to now, it's like, it's so different because we have leads to supply people now. Back then, Trey, I mean, I remember when I got started, your... You know, our lead strategy was, all right, we're going to send this lady in Texas, two grand. She's going to possibly send us some leads in like three weeks. We don't know. <laughs> and it's right. like, we got to wait until then. That was our lead strategy back then. Yeah. You know, compared to now, we can hop
1: on and get instance, whatever we want in our CRM. It's so much faster. Well, that that particular lead vendor is a trailer in Texas with four cats and two chain smokers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what once that got out. It was like a big secret, like don't tell anybody, <laughs> but it was, it worked. <laughs> right. I love that. Um,
0: you know, I think one of the, the things that most people do not understand when it comes to recruiting is they think recruiting is an event and it's not a process, right? Um, right. A know marketer <laughs> understands that term really well, but we're not know marketers here at, at Family First Life. So can you kind of like share that with people? Because most people think like, if I don't recruit them on the first day, then it's, you know,
1: it's, it's over. I can't get them ever again. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, there's, there's a few things that, that really make a big difference here. So, so the the three things that I tell people, um, and I use this when I recruit, like if I'm recruiting Bob, I'll say to Bob, I'll say, Bob, you know what, you know what the big struggle is for people in, in the insurance profession? Most people never start. That's, that's the biggest struggle. So when you look at people who don't have success because they never started. The second type of person starts, and then they ride the emotional ro- roller coaster on a treadmill to oblivion going nowhere fast because they can't keep their emotions in check. And then the third type of person quits way too soon. So my job is to make sure that you don't fall into any of those traps. And what I what I try to get people to understand is just like when you go in your, your in-home or you go to help a client. And a client says, uh, I need to talk about my kids. Right. right. Like you already know what you're gonna say in that situation. How do you know it? Because you've run thousands of appointments, right. Or hundreds of appointments, or you've done a bunch of phone sales or whatever. You you hone the skill of of handling those objections in advance by just doing it a lot. And that's how that's how recruiting works too. The problem is we we recruit somebody. And then we get some kind of crazy objection and we overgeneralize and think there's no way around that. And the way around it is just to always overcome the objections in advance, the normal ones that you would normally get, right? So you just do that through, through repetition. The other part that, where people get it wrong is they think that, like, if you put somebody in contracted, they're recruited. And all that really is, is just permission to recruit them again tomorrow. Like you're better off, like a bird in hand is better than three in the bush. So we stopped recruiting the ones we got way too soon. And the one thing we did from the very first day at Family First Life is we were, the fact that we didn't have any leads, it caused us to be really selective. And that's what caused it to grow. Because when people think you're selective, they want to be the one that you select. Mm -hmm. You know, if they just think you take everybody, then they'll, they'll mess you up. And it, it will mess you up in this business because the one thing that, that we have in this business that we don't have in, you know, if we're trying to recruit somebody into some weight loss milkshake is, is uh, you know, if somebody quits here, it can actually hurt you. Right. They could they could roll you some debt. So you want to be selective in the beginning. There's nothing wrong with with finding a, a few people and then spending time with those people, re-recruiting them into the process. So a lot of your... Um, a lot of your marketing and a lot of the stuff you're doing, it isn't just designed to get new people, it's to get the people that are there to do more and be here long-term. If you can get people to commit to a year and, and actually engage in the process of, of building and recruiting and selling insurance for a year, then you could be really, really successful at it. Um, because I don't know the person, If you if you take the most successful people in FFL, is it easy? No, it's not easy. Can everybody do it? Uh, I don't know if everybody actually can. You know, right. it takes a certain amount of intestinal fortitude and willingness to go through some stuff. Is it easier than anything else I've ever done? Yes, it is. Did I have 20 years of um, of of practice doing things that were harder that like hardened my intestinal fortitude and put me in a position to look at this right? Yeah, I had that too. Like there. There's always a story behind the story, right? Um, and I've been self-employed for, for for most for my whole life, really. You know, I've I've never really had a boss except for at the gym, and so uh, all that stuff played into it. But but I think that's the deal. People just stop recruiting way too soon. They get a few, they think those few are the ones that are going to do it, and then they stop for two or three months, and then they got to start over from scratch and try to get some people interested again, or they hire they recruit someone and then they're just like i i sent you to hcms like what do you want from me you know (laughs) that's not the answer either like you you have to actually spend time with people right so so my suggestion for folks is like hire people that you actually like if the third time the phone rings you already don't want to talk to mary it's not you need to address it Mm -hmm. and like it's okay to do that mary it's the third time you called me and I had this weird feeling like I wasn't going to enjoy this conversation. It shouldn't be like that because it's the third time you called me. Is it going to continue this way in our relationship right. or are we going to get through this? And just have a conversation about it. You don't have to be mean or scold people or be like, I don't have time for your stupid question. You don't have to do any of that. But it's always been enjoyable to work with Steve. Even if Steven had problems in the business, like even if things weren't going right and things don't always go right lots of stuff goes wrong often um, you know now is it wrong like the only thing that goes wrong here is like charge bags roll-up debt no shows I'm just driving around Southern California <laughs> aimlessly not selling nothing I mean I don't even know if this is going to work anymore the lead bill's coming out um all that stuff you know like right. I, I, and the other thing so Sean Wright told me three things. He said he said, the people that have success building an agency have three things in common. Number one, they work really hard. Number two, they're selfless and they put other people's success above their own. And number three, they're not afraid to invest money and put themselves in a bad situation. Okay. Um, you know, potentially. Like the thing Andrew taught me, But you don't, you don't win here by like saving your way to like a millionaire. Right. Like you have enough money to pay your bills, you have extra money, and then you invest that back in the business. You say invest back into what? Here's what it is. You want to get to the point where you pull out the stops in support of people's efforts, not what they say. Like if you're trying really hard and I know it, I will pull out the stops to help you. Well, you say, what's that mean? I mean, I will do anything. I don't care what it is. Like, like you need to get an Uber from LA to Dallas. I'll help you figure out a way to do it. I don't know why you do that. You know, not to go run on an appointment or something. But like, there's not a list of stuff that I won't do to help somebody who's putting in the effort and activity with a good attitude and gratitude that I enjoy being around to help them be successful. Right.
0: And I, don't I love listen. that you say that because I was I was talking to, you know, one uh, Joe Basso the other day and Mark Mead and, and Joe said that one of the biggest um, eye opening things that Mark has ever said to him was you don't earn an integrity deal. You buy one and you buy one through staff, you buy one through, you know, structure for your 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 agents and you buy it through investing into your team. And like most of us hoard the money we make, right? Cause it's like, we never had any. So we're like, oh my gosh, this is mine. I'm never going to let go of it. And I think that's where most people get their their growth stunted. Um, but I love that, Trey, you know, like, ha, you know, work really hard, be selfless, put other people first, don't have an ego, right? And then number three is invest in, in your business. And I love that. Um, Trey, you've seen, you're a professional recruiter, right? So in my opinion, and, and so- what do you th- amateurs do wrong
1: compared to professionals? Well, they talk more than they listen. Yeah. Um, you know, they try to talk people into it. They think it's about overcoming objections. And all I'm trying to do is just sort. Right. I, you can spend so much time trying to talk the wrong people into it. And that's what's exhausting in the business. That is what's exhausting. Yeah. You find... You know, I think about like Brandon. Brandon's a great example. So when Brandon got started, like just easy to work with, humble, had lots of gratitude. He was cool. He he wasn't afraid to work. We went to karaoke, karaoke. One, of, one of the first nights, you know, it was just, it was just cool. And it, I never had to like coerce Brandon into like making a phone call. <laughs> that doesn't mean that there's not a, that doesn't mean that there's not obstacles in the business that you got to spend time, you know, helping people navigate, but I wanted to, because I wanted to see him win, you know, and, and you did because you wanted to see him win. It's a much different experience with Brandon than it is with the person that comes in and they're like, Hey, but you know, do you have to spend money on leads? Uh, well, I mean, can I get leads in my backyard? I don't want to go anywhere for, for lead. like Rob Katkish, like, Rob Cactus, there is a lead in Dover, Delaware. Like, what time's the next flight? you know? Like, like I didn't have to he, he would he would go get it. I didn't have to convince him or coerce him or right. it's easy to run business with people like that. The problem is that only makes up like 15 percent of the people that you talk to, right And a lot of a lot of what happens is people are so good at interviewing. And if you aren't good at asking the right questions and really getting down to the brass tacks of whether or not they wanna do it, uh, you'll mess around and recruit a lot of the wrong ones. Right. And so you just can't be afraid to, to ask, you know, real hard hitting questions about, you know, what people's expectations are and what they're trying to get out of it. Um, that's, I think the, the best thing you could do, the biggest waste of time is spending your time with the wrong people. And you just got to get good at hiring the right ones or recruiting the right ones. And that comes through practice. And that comes through consistent, persistent activity every single day. And the other thing you got to understand is a lot of the things that we're trying to do to motivate people to move is absolutely fruitless. The best thing you can do, if I hire Bob, Sue, and Cindy, the best thing I can do for Bob, Sue, and Cindy is hire Mark. He's going to do it with or without me. Right. That's the best thing I do because they'll look at Mark and they'll go, Well, if he could do it, I can do it. But where people mess it up is, you know, they hire three people, recruit three people. Uh, we say recruit, not hire, we recruit. <clears throat> they recruit three people, and then you know, they wait for them to make them rich. And and those that's, are their three forever. Right, exactly. they go to all the meetings and change. they go, These are my three. <laughs> <laughs> yep like they went out and caught him in a trap you know like <laughs> right that's, that's not the way to do it right now, trey that's really good you know one
0: of the things that i've seen it's like we work with a lot of agents and from other teams too and people tell me all the time they're like i, I recruited 100 agents but nobody's doing anything and i was like dude it's because you're too good you know and, and what i mean by that is you sell too much like you are selling them the opportunity of ffl you don't need to sell the opportunity the the opportunity stands on its own right and, and so like one of the things that i've seen is like amateurs when they recruit they recruit with facts they go you should work at ffl because we have the highest comp we have the bonus we have you know leads and we have free training we have no you know uh fees and and all those things are true they are but when i've seen professionals like you and, and like joe and other people that have recruited It's you're you're asking questions. You're like, hey, what is it that you like over there? What is it that you don't like over there? Hey, we can fill that void, right? It's it's professionals try to find the need and fill it versus like amateurs just try to throw up on you on all the reasons why you should work with us. And and my opinion personally is if you go on social media and you see a lot of amateurs recruit, you'll quickly notice that all they all post the same thing: high comp, work with us you know, leads, work with us. Professionals don't, like, when do you see Nina and Hayden talk about that? Never. They're always talking about like, do you enjoy working at your career if you don't message me, right? Like, like that's how professionals recruit. They, they don't recruit with just facts because everybody can do that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that you and, and and Joe do a phenomenal job. That's, that's why I was asking that question because, you know, I was listening to Joe. Joe just re- recently recruited a big group. From another company, right? And he yep. said, I've been working on it for like six months.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. Like the harder, the more time. See, it's not the person that makes the decision the first time. Like, yes, hey, high comp, best renewals, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that's that's a red flag. Right. Like what I'm trying to do is is ideally, you want to build a strong enough relationship with somebody to where they come to the point of a logical conclusion that this actually makes sense. Right. Like my clothes to get somebody in, into in Family First Life is like, like, what do you want me to do now? What, what do you think we should do now, Stephen? <laughs> well, I'm ready to get started. You know, the goal is to get people to know the good, bad and the ugly, and they still wanna do it. And when you focus on the people, then what ends up happening is, like you can offer a solution to like their real problem as to why they're not being successful. So the thing that you're always selling people when you're recruiting is like, um, I'm not trying to make it sound too easy. That, that's a big thing. I keep a good attitude, even though I'm going through the same stuff you're going through and they see it, I'm super encouraging and I really believe in them. So if they, if they see that they wanna work with me rather than, you know. Me trying to browbeat people into doing it. I think is is the key to that. So and I think we attract better people when do it that way. Yeah, that's right. I'm just
0: I'm just saying, been there, done that. Like when you flash bank statements or post about your cars and your homes, like you attract the people that want like that, that's all they think and care about. And and that's why this whole families help thing is such a big deal. Because Mm -hmm. if we don't legitimately put that at the center of everything we focus on, which is truly helping our clients first, none of that other stuff will ever come, right? And it's like, that's why, like, once again, like going out, how do professionals recruit versus amateurs? A professional will take a picture in front of a Lamborghini and say that it's theirs when it's not, (laughs) right? And it's like a a professional, they don't need to talk about that stuff because they're worried about you. How can I help you? See, like one of the best... Agents that we've recruited lately. Um, when she had called me, she uh she was interviewing for a few other companies, right? Uh to see if she wanted to work with them. And she called me at like 4:30 in the morning. And I basically was like, Why, why, why do you want to work with us? Tell me about you. What's your current situation like? What's your finances look like? What are you scared of? What what makes you like cringe at night? Right. And she goes, I want to work with you. And by the way, she's a stud. She 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 wrote a she protected a lot of families last month. But what was crazy was after we quote unquote recruited her, I said, Hey, why did you choose us? And she said it was really simple. And I was like, I really want to know because I don't know what other other companies say. She goes, All the other companies kept talking about was them, 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 and them. She was like, You're the only person that I interviewed with that actually asked me about me. And I was like wow, that was a million dollar nugget right there. Yeah, it is. You know, Definitely and it, it's like so many times we, we get on the phone with a recruit and we go, let me tell you why you should work with us instead of going, what's your story like? Why do you need us? Can we even help you? You know, and, and finding right. out the, the gaps and then filling in the gaps, right? The filling in and the void. And, and I think that's how professionals recruit. And for those of you that are new on the call, that's, that's how you should do it. You shouldn't blanket yep. everybody because everybody's different,
1: you know. Right, um, amen to that. That's absolutely true.
0: Trey, when when you started building this business, you started working with people that you liked, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, why is that so important?
1: Well, the, the real the real factor is whether or not somebody's going to have success is that they have trust. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a trust factor to the business because you're trying to get people to invest in leads. Now you think getting people to invest in leads is hard, but it's, it's, it's not as hard as getting them to make a list of a hundred friends and invite them to their house. That's harder. Yes. It is. Like you find the right person that, that wants to go out and do something for their family and wants to build and, and wants to go make sales and they have a good reason why. Um, and they have clear goals and we can set some actions and activity in place for them to get there. Um, and you tell that person what the lead investment is, if they trust you, they'll, they'll, they'll take a leap and do it. Now, that usually comes from where that doesn't come from is recruiting off the Craigslist. You get the guy that struggled at the last six IMOs he was at, and he doesn't like the people there. He doesn't like the leads there. The products suck. He has a charge back. He has a tax lien. He has a, and you've got to overcome all this stuff. And everything you say, they're thinking, man, you're out to get me. Now that doesn't mean you can't overcome that, but that takes time to build the trust. Right. Whereas your warm market, they know you, they like you, and they already trust you. You know, like when Stephen got started, he knew us. So we we're like Stephen, we're we're gonna that's send that. You know, that's a fact. Because I sucked in the beginning. Yeah, like, I was like, really bad. Stephen's like, what do we do for leads? Well, we need to send sixteen hundred dollars to this lady in Texas, and she within <laughs> four weeks we're gonna get some leads. It's like I'm in. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm in. And right. that wouldn't happen happened if we didn't have a relationship after all those years, you know? But not only that, like the the staying power, right? Because my first 14 appointments, I protected
0: no families. And people right. go, like, I ask people all the time when I do trainings, I'm like, how many of y'all would have quit? I'm like, don't lie, because I would have quit. The only reason why I didn't quit was because I knew you and, uh, you and Joe. And I was like, dude, if they figured this thing out, I'm going to figure it out too, because I know them. Right. But it was some random person that recruited me on Craigslist that I didn't know. I would have been like, dude, I'm out. Sorry. It ain't working. Right. But but the staying power, that that was a big piece, because, you know, the other thing is like, for example, if you if you if you work with Brandon Kitchens and you know him, you're related to him or or you've been a coworker of his for like 10 years and you see that he's killing it. You're like, dude, I know him. You know, you don't go. You don't go, that's just some stranger that I met on Indeed or, or ZipRecruiter, right? And that's that allows us to have more staying power because they they are willing to fight a little bit more
1: to see this thing will work. And what's interesting is, you know, when I when I started, I didn't really know Andrew. Um and the way he built trust with me was he's he he never let things get too high or too low. So like if I was having, and Andrew's the best recruiter at FFL. He is, he's, he's brilliant at recruiting because what he'll do is like, if he gets on the phone with me and I'm getting ready to get started in the business and I'm talking grandiose, like how great it's going to be, he'll say something like, yeah, dude, but it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of sacrifices. It's not for everybody. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to kill it. I'm going to do, yeah, but it's a lot of work right so he'll bring me down a peg or two right. and then if i'm too low he'll bring me up and and tell me something good about how he thinks i could do it dude you're gonna kill it it's a numbers game you know and see and when you say andrew's a phenomenal recruiter and, and
0: agency builder that's fact because he doesn't spend an hour with everybody nope never not even with guys like you and i conversations are like three and a half minutes <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, and that's, and what's interesting is like, he acknowledges that there's grief, and he goes through it too, but he doesn't dwell on it, like, how'd your day go, bro? Well, I had six no-shows, uh, one legger, I sold one, but they canceled on the way home, it's like, that's a bummer, what else is going on? <laughs> right. N- not, not, not much, it's all right, later, that's <laughs> right. it. Now, if you think that through, now, see that causes me to trust him because I don't, that creates trust because I'm, I'm not trying to solve your problem every single time. But if the conversation every single time is like, well, I don't what'd you say on your phone script? How'd you tie him down? When you time him down, did you say this? Did you ask what color the house was? Like he's trying too hard. What, the message that Andrew sent was, everybody goes through that, just, just keep doing it. Right, <laughs> you know?
0: And he was so good at just keeping it simple. Right. You know, like everybody goes like, Andrew has seven board member legs. Like, think about that. That's, that's a feat in and of itself. There's a reason why he's the number one group. And if you talk to every single one of those guys, they go, yeah, Andrew let me leave from the very beginning. He never, he never micromanaged anything. Like, it's just the way it was like, that's just, and it just worked. You know, so many agents want to literally like overcast their team and and be able to, you know, micromanage and fix everything. And, and he never did any of that. And which is fascinating, because if you asked Andrew like an underwriting question, he, he would just be like, I don't know. Go call Americo," and, and that's how we learned how to underwrite.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we didn't have all these cool little things because we had to learn because Andrew was that way. And it, it was like a
1: benefit for us. Yeah, that's right. It's funny if you talk to Ginger, and I, I always, you know, I try to think that, you know, I I wooed Ginger with my magical recruiting words, mm-hmm. and that isn't what happened at all. Like if you talk to her now, and you're just like, hey, you know, why did you decide to leave that other company and come over here? And she goes, what was the, I talked to Andrew, and I asked him about the leads, and I was like, hey, are the leads better? And he goes, no. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> just the one that. word no well why why would i why would i want to work here he goes we just have more of them yep and then silence (laughs) (laughs) because he's not trying real hard you know what i mean like but but you trust somebody like that somebody who always has an answer for everything and tries to overcome every single objection and tries to finagle you into it if there's a confidence in knowing like if you, even if you don't do it, I'm going to be good. Right. I don't need you. There's a confidence in that. You come along if you want to, if not, I'm good. Right. You know, rather than, well, let's talk about why you don't want to do it. And let's address this issue and let's, (laughs) he never did any of that. That's why he's so good at it. That was like one of the most attractive things ever was I remember doing,
0: I was, I was at his office or riding along with him and I was like, Oh, you definitely need us. He goes, Oh, you, you think so? And then he just stopped talking to me for like 30 days and then he found Grady, he found Zach Egan. And I was like, Oh, he definitely don't need us. You know what I mean? Like that was the best thing that we could have learned is like you, the best way to grow this thing is by not needing the guys that you think they need you. That was such a million dollar nugget from Andrew. And I was like, dude, that's, that's just the way it is, you know? And so Cool, Trey, anything else that you can probably think of in terms of
1: recruiting or building a team that you can share with brand new folks? Well, I could tell you a good habit that should replicate throughout your organization is, is using your IP reports and talking to your top 25 people on a regular basis. Everybody should have a list of 10 new agents that they're talking to on a regular basis. And I mean, new, like brand new, like they haven't done the first 100 appointments yet. And I would consider somebody actually recruited into the business when they've sold a policy, they've recruited someone that sold a policy and they've gone to a national conference. If they've helped 50 families in a month, but they have not recruited anyone that sold a policy, they are not in. Right. If they've recruited a bunch of people that sold policies and they help 50 families a month, it, but they haven't been to a national conference, they are not in. You know, that's, They're not in yet. You're not done with that. Not that you ever really get done, but in my mental checklist of an agent and working with someone until all three of those things have happened, I don't consider them in. And, um, And I think the other big thing is talking to the leaders in your team, the top 25. If everybody could, let's say you don't have 25. Let's say Mary's on the call. She has four agents. Okay. She should talk to those four agents a lot. That's all she has. You need, to, you need to pull the weeds in your garden and help it grow. You say, what do you talk to them about? Just be available. That's all. They'll just take the calls, make the calls, get out of this routine of reacting to every problem throughout the day and make something good happen by being proactive. And the most proactive thing you could do is get 10 new writers. Yep. <laughs> 10 new writers solves, I, I mean, it solves all the problems. There's nothing that 10 new writers won't solve. Right. Like helping 10 families in a week. There's nothing that helping 10 families in a week won't solve. At least that week. I'm not saying it solves every financial problem you ever have, but at least it gets you back in the right frame of mind for next week. You know, and the, and the last thing I would share is you get good at winning by winning. Yep. Like celebrate the small wins. Every little thing is a small win. Like that doesn't mean that everybody has to blast it out on Facebook and be like, Bob made a phone call. But don't be so hard on yourself. You know, if, if if you're at this place and you're you're and you set a goal to do this thing this day, that's something you could actually do, and you do it, that's a win. Just do it again tomorrow. And if you stack those things together, it'll it'll get you to a place where you don't even, it's it's just a bunch of little wins stacked together. It's not that the big deal is all the little deals put together. It's not the fact that you recruited this person from this insurance carrier and they brought 7,500 of their friends. That's, that's not what it is. It's all the little wins along the way, daily compounded that allowed you to get to the place where you recruited so-and-so and and they brought 30 of their friends. Right. You know, I love that. And and see, that's
0: who, who would ever thought that talking to people was like a task, that's like what I hear often, right? Like, oh my God, I need to talk to him. Like I had this guy, he, he's like an SVP in, in our company. And he came to me and he was like, I'm getting rolled debt like left and right. And I was like, man, that's really odd. And he was like, "He was." I was like, what's your recruiting process? Like what, show me, like, right? And he goes, yeah, once my recruiter, by the way, he doesn't recruit him. Once my recruiter recruits him, I don't talk to him. I I might talk to them after they write their first policy. And I was like, dude, that's, that's the reason why right there, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I was like, dude, they don't even know who you are. There's no support. Like they more people would write if you actually talk to them and they probably wouldn't quit if you talk to them. But if you think you can automate this entire thing, you can't, this is a people business. This is a relationship business, you know? And, And it's just so fascinating to me that like, I never would have thought that, but it's like, we see it so often that, you know, I see this too. It's you, you have these agency managers that hire a 15, $20 hour employee and expect them to build them a million dollar business. It's the most foolish thing you can ever see. And it's like, they, they they try to get them to do the
1: work that they don't want to do themselves. Mm, That's the truth. 10,000 minutes a month on your cell phone. Yeah, that's, that's it. 10,000 minutes a month on your cell phone, in addition to your dials and running your appointments. You can get in the habit of doing that. Remember when you used to get like cell phone minutes, like you had singular and it would be like, for as at and like I did this many minutes. Like that's what you just glue the phone to your face. And that doesn't mean micromanage, and try to coerce people or try to solve every single problem they have. But, but don't be expendable and absent at the same time. <laughs> like just be present and be involved. And I, and a mistake a lot of people make when they build is like, like me and Steven work really well together because I leave Steven alone. But when I help, I help. Right. And the way I help is I don't meddle. <laughs> like, right. I'm always edifying to Steven. I'm always edifying to the organization. And I realize that we're cohesive and we work together. You know, mm-hmm. like you'll never get me to give advice different than what Steven would. Because if I don't know, I don't give it. And then I ask Steven, what should I have said? and they'll tell me and then i'll make sure that i'm that we're it's kind of like when you watch these politicians on this is a bad example because nobody likes politicians but but you you watch these politicians on these news shows you know and like like this event will happen in the world and then all of their their cronies will go out and they'll say the same stuff like that's that's everybody hates that right but in this business there there is a there is there's power in a bunch of people giving the same message. The congruency. Regularly. The congruency, yes. That's that's how you build it. Yeah. I love that.
0: Trey, there's a few questions that uh, people have asked. I'm going to ask you. Patty asks, what's the
1: percentage of people that you recruit that are already licensed? It's It changes. There's been times where <laughs> 80% of the people that I are recruited are licensed. And then there's been times where 80% of the people we recruit are not licensed. Um, I never focus too much on what was what. It's just if I tap a vein and of uh, like I get a licensed person, then birds of a feather flock together and they know a bunch of licensed people. And all I try to do is just find out who people know. Like Patty, I, I learned this from Patty, by the way. Right. In, in in Vince's office, when Patty showed up with Josh in 2000 four <laughs> or five you know like same thing there you know what i mean like way back and all i'm trying to do is i recruit somebody and my goal is to recruit their friends Who, and i make it simple for them to recruit from the start which
0: ones do you prefer to work with the non-licensed or the licensed agents
1: i like if it's the right licensed agent i really like that like I right. think of somebody who's really easy to work with that's built a huge team is Ginger. I don't, I'm sure I knows everything to do. That's cool when it works. Um, but if you look historically at my leaderboard, Steven's leaderboard, it's, it's usually, you look at the Hall of Fame producers and family, family First Life Coast to Coast, pretty sure all of them started with us unlicensed. Definitely. So almost all of them. All everyone Steve.
0: in our group. I'm, yes. I list them if you want, every single yeah. one in our group, every 20, every gold producer we have, sorry, every gold right. producer we have was non-licensed at FFL.
1: Yeah. I realized you recorded this once I got in. I'm like, you know, You're I'm going to try to put this on YouTube. I shouldn't have said all those numbers, <laughs> but I think it's okay to say that Andrew Taylor made X amount of money. Just selling insurance. I think it's okay to say that. There's context to that. So that is true. So, um, Trey, how would you
0: recruit people when you haven't hit production milestones at FFL?
1: Get good at telling other people's stories. I mean, the the mistake is thinking that by you hitting a production milestone, it makes you better at recruiting. It just makes you more self-absorbed. Like if I was the number one salesperson at FFL, I'd never tell anybody, ever. I wouldn't tell anyone. What I would do is, you know... Let's say I'm the number one guy in FFL. The worst thing I could do is be like, hey, I'm awesome. Right. No, I I wouldn't do that. I I talk about how awesome everybody else is. And then once they got in and they came around, then everybody else would tell them that I'm awesome. Right. And it makes me look better. You don't have to be the number one producer to do it. In fact, it helps you when you're not. Because anything that they say is, like, like if Steven says to me, hey, you know, and plus I'm recruiting more market too, right? So there's already a trust factor and he knows and he likes me. If Steven says to me, what can you do to help? me? Listen, Steven, my biggest strength is I will do more to help you than I'll do to help myself. That's also my biggest weakness it comes a trap. So what I can promise you though is if we win, we're going to win together. And if we don't, we're both going to die trying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That has nothing to do with production. That's it. Like we're either going to take the hill or we're going to be a bloody mess on the side of the road dismembered, (laughs) but either way, it's going to be fun and we're going to find out fast. So, (laughs) right. You know, so for 90 days, and here's the other thing I'm going to do, I'm always going to be honest with you. Like you would expect that from me, right? Stephen, like if we get started on this journey and you're not making reasonable progress towards your goal, even if I don't have the answer, my responsibility is to help you find the answer. One hundred percent. So I'm going to be honest from you with you from day one. And if you're not going close, if you're not getting closer to where you want to go, what do you expect me to do? Tell me. Okay. So if I tell you, you're not going to get mad and quit because I'm honest with you, right? Right. Okay. That's what you can expect from me. Right. I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. But I'm going to do it with love and I'm going to do it with humility. And I understand I'm on the same journey as you. The last thing I want to do is put you in a situation where you're working with somebody that's too high and mighty to tell you the truth and needs you so they can make overrides and really doesn't care. I'd rather fail than hurt your family. You know, like that's how, that's that's what people follow. They just want to know that. Dude, and the other thing is like production milestones, number one, like,
0: let's just pretend you're a platinum producer or whatever it is, right? Dude, most people that you're recruiting can't even fathom that type of money. That's right. So it actually hurts you. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, like, I remember, this is horrible, by the way. Like, I remember when I first did my first 20 families helped, most people are like, ah, he got lucky. Then I got to 30 and they're like, that won't last. I got to 40 and they're like, well, you know, the, the, the FTC is gonna close their company down. And then it's like, the, the higher you go, the worse it gets. No matter right. what, you can't, like, there's right. some people that are just unrecruitable, just like clients that are, you can't sell no matter what, right? And it right. is what it is. And most of those people don't need to make that type of income. If they made like five, 10 families help month, they their money. So like, you don't need to talk about the 50, 60, 100 a month. That doesn't right. attract them. The matter of fact, they think you're a scam
1: because of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah you know, it's belief that enables action and people will go as far as they can see. Right. That's, that's how it works. And people set these, these milestones so high, people never believe they could do it. That's why they never start. Like right. I'm just trying to set goals. One of the things I ask people when, when I do recruit them is <clears throat> all right, Stephen. So let's, let's, let's assume that we get, when we get started, um, in the next 90 days if you were to look back 90 days from now and you were to say to me gosh that was an amazing success what would that look like and tell me where you need to be in 90 days and what would be successful like what do you consider successful in 90 days okay so 60 days from now if you're not making reasonable progress towards your goal what do you want me to do tell me that's it right i mean it's just it's pretty simple but it's it's one of the mistakes I made for a long period of time is letting other people define for me what success was. Like Trey, if you need to retire your wife. Right. <laughs> dude, my wife works. She is a school teacher because she thinks that's what God wants her to do. Right. Like that's why I married her. Right. If if I retired, my wife would get a divorce. We work together on one thing. We tried to fix a garage door one time and almost got a divorce over it. <clears throat> so the thing I figured out is like Dre, we could get, you could drop $750 million in our bank account. We won the lotto, and she'd still go to work the next day. But I was running around thinking I was a bad husband because my wife worked. No, she was gonna work anyway. It didn't have nothing to do with me. Right. So I had to get that out of my mind, but that's not what my goal is. My goal is I'm doing this for this, this, and this, not for these other things that people put on me. So very few people would ever actually ask me what I consider to be success. You know, and, and Andrew, that was what was attractive about working with Andrew and Paul because they'd been in the business, the insurance business for a really long time. And they'd already had a lot of success in the insurance business. And in my mind, they were like the most successful people on planet earth, even back then. This was way before integrity and all the other stuff. And they would just show up to work every day like normal people, Yep. you know, and like they didn't, they weren't flashy. They were just like, we're in our 20s. What do you want us to do? Like, we're not retired. We're not living the lifestyle of the rich and famous. We're just working. Like I talked to Paul, like, Paul, what are you up to? Just trying to scratch out a living, just trying to scratch out a living. And it was a pretty good living, you know, so. I love that. No, that's that's funny. Um, Trey, Marjorie asks,
0: "What are some golden questions you ask when you're interviewing someone to see if it's a good fit?"
1: Um, <clears throat> so, some of the things I'll say is, I'll say like, uh, I'll say like, Marjorie, like, do you have an insurance license? Are, are you using it? Where are you using it? What do you like about that place? If you don't have one, are you opposed to working a hundred percent commission? Have you ever been self-employed before? What's the most money you've ever made in a year? Um, why do you think you made that much money? Have you have you had major financial setbacks in the past, and how do you feel about that? That's a good question. <clears throat> you know, what's the biggest obstacle you've had financially, and how would you overcome it? <laughs> Those are good questions because what I'm looking for, I don't, I don't really want the person that's. I'm not saying that. I want it. I want everybody that wants to do it. They know the good, bad, the ugly. Still want to do it. But I tell you, one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest, most attractive things about people, the right ones, is the people that have gone through some bad stuff and have come out the other side of it with a good attitude. Like that person's not going to quit if they knock on the door and the person doesn't answer, or they drive around, you know, an hour away from home one day and they don't make any sales. Because they've already had bad stuff happen and they've kept a good attitude. Right. Um, if you drive your car 200 miles, is it going to explode? Um, you know, <laughs> if you spend $1,000 on leads and you only make 2000 are you going to quit? Um, you know, if you're making reasonable progress towards your goal, how long would you give it before you gave up? Those are some of the things that I would ask. Is there other income in the house? What's your financial situation look like? If you didn't make a profit for six months and you were just barely keeping your head above water, are they gonna turn off the lights and take your house? If they are, I need to know. It doesn't mean I don't have a plan for that, you know? Um, I like people that are part-time too. I think it's a good way to start. Now, if the person's part-time and they work at a place, if they're doing Uber Eats (laughs) part-time, just You can just do this, you know, if you're, if you're, if you work for Jet Propulsion Laboratory as an astrophysicist <laughs> or something, and it took you 17 years of school and you had a good weekend in the field, for God's sake, don't quit your job. Right. That's, you're not just gonna get back the job tomorrow. You know, um, at my neighbor, my old neighbor, he'd worked at this place where like, they deliver your packages. They have this prime membership and they'll just send you stuff like the next day. And he stabbed his old boss and, and went to jail. And when he got out of jail, he got that job back. <laughs> so, so there's certain jobs you could just get back, you know, and then there's ones where it's like, you know, you, you don't want to just give that one up because you, you closed six in a row. You give it a couple months, you know, see if they cancel the the other thing is don't count the money, man. Like just because you get a bunch of deposits, that's a trap because people cancel sometimes. And in the beginning, in the beginning, everybody canceled on me. I had like 19 in a row one time. And I and it was like, Trey, why are they canceling? I'm like, I don't know. I just I tell them they got 30 days to think about it. And if they don't want it, the insurance company will give their money back. They're like, that's how you're closing those ones? Yep that's probably why they're canceling so i stopped telling people how much did you sell bob for 474 a month how much did bob make two thousand dollars a month <laughs> that's not a good program like that doesn't make sense it has to be reasonable right so i love that
0: um trey one last question from an anonymous attendee first it's a long paragraph i'm just gonna Shorten it up it's basically um i came in with the intention of building an agency two people came in with me my question is can i re- make up my name and and create a corporation I- in the process of
1: of doing it i mean you could but it's almost like getting the cart before the horse you know you. like like it's 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 easy it's it's easier to do this thing as a sole proprietor everybody wants to have this um this you know perfect business entity and branding and all this stuff. I can tell you that when, when Grady Poulsen became an integrity partner, he was a sole proprietor. He didn't yeah. even have a corporation. Like in the integrity conversation, like, hey, we, we need to start a new, new co- what do we do with the corporation? I don't even have one.
0: That's what <laughs> happened with Grady.
1: I mean, the best thing you could think of is just how do you get profitable and let's let's run up the scoreboard and figure out all the other infrastructure stuff later. Yeah. Like, well, wouldn't it save me money on taxes if I did it this way? Listen, let's just try to get you to the point where you can pay some taxes. Right. You know, like for the first several years, like the reason why I buy so many leads is I just wanted to write them off. Like I wasn't, you, you get a long wages just writing all the leads off. Like right. that's an expense. I, I, my goal was to pay $100,000 a quarter in taxes. I just, once I get to that, I'll figure out how to incorporate, you know? Right.
0: And the other thing I'll say is people follow people, man. They don't follow yeah. companies. I'm just that's right. I've said this for like I've said it for like a, lot, a thousand times in the last month and a half. Like you go look at Sean Mike, his following is bigger than FFLs. Mm-hmm. You go look at LeBron James, his following is bigger than the Lakers. You look at Tom Brady, his following is bigger than the Bucks. Why? People follow people. People that's are right. real. They can follow you. They don't a company. They can't really follow, right? And, and the other thing is like this is just decent advice don't start a corporation until you make a hundred grand because right. you're just wasting time. And you're like, you got to get all these ducks in a row. No, just, just go make a mess. Like Sean
1: says, move, you know, move fast and break things. That's the best advice i can give you. Right. The contracting is a lot harder when you do it that way. And you know, the just get a carrier and call some leads. Thank you. Which one, just anyone, I it, <laughs> it, they're all—it's simplified issue business. So the vast majority of you meet will, people you meet, will qualify for it. Well, what if someone so has one leg, diabetes, congestive heart failure, they're on house arrest, and they got hepatitis C? <laughs> that's AIG. They're over fifty. That's that's it. If not, I'm—you know—maybe they'll share some food with you before you leave the house. Like, they'll send you home with a few bottles of water. It's okay. Right. Right, Trey. Last question. This is from Kim.
0: She said, Attract- "Attractive marketing versus professional marketing. Uh, what percentage of blend
1: is best?" Well, Kim does a really great job of it because if you look at her social media, she's just she's relevant and she's there and she's around. I think that's so. I so if I'm if I'm trying to recruit, if, if I'm gonna get recruited by somebody on social media, it's somebody that's posting on a regular basis. It's somebody who has a good attitude. It's somebody who has content that I enjoy looking at or following and, um, you know, and, and I'm getting the impression that if I were to call, they would answer the phone. So I, I, I don't even remember what the question was. What was the question, Stephen? Attractive marketing versus, uh, professional marketing. Yeah. Um, and it's real, you know, I think a lot of times this whole idea of branding and having, uh, you know, social media director or this company do this. People follow people who know who they are, know where they're going, and they know how they're going to get there. And they're humble and they're approachable. Right. Sean Mike is way, way too, Sean Mike is, if you look at the amount of actual success, his humility is the most attractive thing in the world. Yep. Because he doesn't really, you don't, you don't meet people like that you know like look, okay i got to get on this other one but i'll say this like when i was when i was 23 i got invited to this lunch with the guy that brought bottled water to america it was it was a bottled water company that he sold to nestle for a gazillion dollars okay wow. and i sat at that meeting he was wearing jeans and a off-brand t-shirt talking about warehousing and all this stuff for this person's product that was trying to get a product in the marketplace who I happened to know and I just went and I ate the bread drank the iced tea and I walked away from that going wow that guy was just a normal dude and I've always thought of that as that up until I mean that was the most successful person I'd ever met in business for for many 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 years maybe you know you're talking about somebody who you know, in 1998 was worth more than $100 million, right. you know? So, and that's, that's always stuck with me. It wasn't, the, he, if he has an Instagram, I don't know if he's still alive even, but if he has an Instagram, um, he's not standing in front of it with a, with a Lamborghini on his yacht. He's probably working on something still to this day. Right. So that's the way business works, real business, not multi-level marketing business. I love it, Trey. Hey, Trey, thank you so much for hopping on with us. I know
0: we went a minute over, but you know this was a great call. We, this is just something different, right? Because we're always talking about selling, selling, selling—virtual, face-to-face, whatever it is. But to be able to build the business so that we don't have to sell for the rest of our life, like these are the nuggets on how to do it. And there's nobody else that does it better than Trey, in my opinion. And we're very blessed to be working with him and on his team. So, Trey, once again, thank you so much, man. Um, we appreciate thank you. you and. We're excited to, you know, hear that announcement uh, coming soon. So, Trey, thank you so
1: much, brother. I appreciate you. All right, you guys have a great week.